All right, good morning, everyone. I know. So, we have some uh, guests and visitors here today, so, welcome. Help yourself to a cup of coffee if you like. And um, just public service announcement we have an Emuna WhatsApp group. Try to post one Emuna thought a day and try not to have other people post. That's been an ongoing struggle. So, if, uh, yeah. It's a social experiment, this uh, Muna WhatsApp group. But if you're not on the group and you'd like to be on the group, please let me know. We're happy to add you to it. What I want to do, you have a thick packet in front of you. It it's, uh, would be a little ambitious to think that we can get through the entire thing this week. And we're not going to. Um, but we'll start studying it. And maybe this is the text that we'll use for the next few weeks. And it's a very powerful text, very poetic text. That's why it's really important to have the English. This comes from the Chazonisha Sefer Emuna Ubitachon. Chazanish, everyone knows, was a great posek in Bnei Brak, outstanding Talmud Chacham, lived before the founding of the state, was instrumental in the founding of the state um, in, in promoting or advancing the interests of the religious, particularly the Haredi community. He uh, remains until today a tremendous uh, influence both in Halacha and Hashkafa in Israel and, uh, and beyond. And uh, he's most well known for his Halachic Compendium, which is called Chaz- his name was not Chazanish. His mother did not say Chazanish. Dinner's ready. Come. That was not his name. Shaya Karlitz was his name, um, but the name of his sefer was Chazanish, and he became known. We have certain great gedolim throughout our history who they make such a contribution, a scholarly contribution, they become synonymous with the name of their work. Like the Chavetz Chaim, his name was not Chavetz Chaim. Yisrael mm-hmm. Meir uh, Kagan, Kagan of Raden. Mm-hmm. His mother called him Rav Yisrael Meir. Probably didn't call him Reb. Called him Yisrael Meir. <laughs> not uh, not Chavetz Chaim. So the Chazanish is known for his halachic. He has uh, on all the volumes of Shulchan Aruch. It's called Chazanish. But this is a, a different sefer called Emuna Ubitachom. Most people only know the first chapter of the book. First two chapters. First chapter deals with Emuna. And the second chapter deals with Bitachon. But the Sefer is an incredible Sefer that actually goes on. And it's further chapters that deal with um, other very significant issues. Like morality and halacha, I found to be a very compelling parak, Where the Chazanish talks about why study... In fact, I think it's missing from our educational system. But he talks about Yenisit Yilin Gemara. Right now we're learning in the Dafyomi Baba Kama. My ox gores your ox. My, uh, I lit a fire in my backyard, it went to your backyard, and it lit your, it lit your house on fire. What liability, what are the consequences, and so on. So how do you connect to God through that? In what way does studying dry, minutiae, detailed law connect you to spirituality, to God? And where is the divine in that study versus when I'm studying uh, Amuna, studying Musar, Makshava? So it's a very, very important parak that the Chazanish has, and it's a wonderful sefer. He has more, more prakim in it. So we're skipping right to chapter two. First parak deals with Emuna, which is how do you know God exists? And he talks about the gift of having two eyes, and all you have to do is look up to the sky, and you'll see. And when you think about the wondrous mystery of the universe, and the complicated details of our very existence, our body, you cannot help but conclude that there's a ribbon shalom, right? In other words, the default. I put this on the Amuna group yesterday. The default is that there's a God. The default is that there's a God. The challenge in life is not to allow anything to get in the way of that default. To erase it, to corrupt it, to make us cynical about it, and so on. Rabbi Hanawasaman answers this question. He asks, in Kobitz Ma'amaram, he says, a girl turns bat mitzvah 12, a boy turns bar mitzvah 13, they become obligated in all Torah and mitzvahs, and one of the mitzvahs is, Anochi Yashavu you have to believe, Shavuos is coming up, the first of the Yasser Dibros. you have to believe that there's a God, that He created the universe. 
So the so Rebbechanu Wasim and Hashem Yikom Demo Eretz. I don't understand. Aristotle struggled his entire life. Brilliant, brilliant, mature, advanced minds struggled their entire lives with the question of does God exist or not. And this little bar mitzvah boy, just because you gave him a logo on his yarmulke and he became a brand and he's an icon, doesn't mean that he can answer, does God exist? So he's obligated in the mitzvah of, of uh, believing in God. And he's 13 years old. She's 12 years old. How could it be, Astrovachan? And his answer is fantastic. He says, every little child comes into this world and knows, I have a parent. My parents have parents, and they had parents, and they had parents. And if you go back far enough, there's a first parent. There's a first cause who set everything in motion. Every child looks around at the world and knows that when something makes sense, when there's order in the universe, there's a creator. If there's a painting, there's a painter. If there's a building, there was an architect, an engineer, and a builder. If there's a sculpture, there was a sculptor. And so on. If there's a piece of furniture, if there's a piece of clothing, there was a tailor. You look at anything that's organized and you know there was a creator. You're going to look at the universe and the human body, and you're going to think it just came to be randomly? Every child intuitively, instinctively knows that there's something higher. Nobody's ever told the three-year-old child, you know, thank Hashem, or make a bracha. I'm not sure I believe in Who's Hashem? They never answer that. They say, okay, thank you, Hashem. Right? So you could say they're naive, and they're fools, and they're immature. Or you could say that intuitively, instinctively, we know. In our gut, in our kishkas, we know. But what happens? You go through life, and... You start reading things and watching things and meeting people who've become cynical, sarcastic, and hardened by life. Maybe they've had challenges in life. Maybe they're just cynical by nature. And they start to impress upon you that, you know, only, only the unsophisticated believe that there's a God. If you're really scientific, if you're really advanced, and so on. So, so Rebbe says that's the answer. Every child knows that there's a Hashem. From their Hashem is here, Hashem is there. From when they could start listening to Uncle Moshe, they know there's a Hashem. They know there's a Hashem. Our job as parents is to make sure that nothing gets in the way, nothing erases, deletes, distracts, corrupts the file that there's a Hashem. And that, I would say, is not only true for the 12 and 13 year old, it's true for us as we try to struggle with Amuna too. If we get back to the default, I, I, you know, I sometimes have these conversations. You believe it or not, we have a more than a handful of people who come to shul every Shabbos who are part of the whole Orthodox community but don't believe in God or not sure if they believe in God. And, you know, Rabbi Yitzchak of Berditsha would say, look, Hashem, how great they are. They don't even believe you exist but they send their kids with an enormous tuition and they come to shul and so on. So every time I get into a debate with individuals like this, I always, it's, it's an unfair point to make, but I always say, look, I'm starting out, I think you know that there's a God. You know, so my job is not to try to com- provide you with compelling evidence that he's here, but rather it's to get to underline what's blocking you from seeing it. Why are you? Why are you so stubborn and obstinate? Why are you refusing to? What happened in your life? Or what would make you feel guilty? Or what are the consequences you think there are if you believe in God? Because a lot of people, it's well, if I believe in Hashem, then I have to change my lifestyle, act a certain way reconcile certain things that have happened in my life. I don't want to have to do those things. So it's easier to declare myself an agnostic or an atheist. So sometimes the challenge is not to provide the compelling evidence there is Hashem, but is to remove the obstacles. That's what the Torah tells us. Orlas levavchem. You know, the term orla is used to describe, orla describes the bris. A young boy is circumcised. Remove the foreskin as the orla of the body. There's the orla of the heart. 
which is removed. Torah tells us, what's orlas levavchem, the orla of the heart? It's exactly this. It's clogged arteries, clogged spiritual arteries. You know, you have the capacity to feel and to intuit and to know and to connect. Don't allow this world to harden you, to make you sarcastic and to block you. All that is he talks about in chapter 1. So we're going to start with Perak Bey's chapter 2. And the Chazanish employs a very, very beautiful Hebrew. It's not so yeshivish, but he does it anyway. And, uh, and so that's why this is, translation came out a few years ago. Um, I don't even know who this publisher is. But it's called, the Sefer is called Emunah and Bitachon. And the translation is called Faith and Trust. It's translated by Yaakov Goldstein. And, um, and it's excellent. Really wonderful. So he says the following. Taos noshenes nisazracha belev rabim b'musag bitachon. There's an age-old misconception, a strange thought that has entered the hearts of many when it comes to the issue of bitachon. First of all, what's the difference between emunah and bitachon? We've talked about before also. Emunah is the knowledge of God's existence. Bitachon is, now that He exists, I put my trust in Him. Right? Bitachon, if you go to Israel today and you want to go to the mall, but you're not sure if it's safe, you'll ask, how is there bitachon? There, right? Bitachon is, is security. Trust. You put your trust in somebody that you can count on to secure you. That's what bitachon is. A promise is a havtacha. A promise it comes from the same word, betach, lavetach, bitachon, and so on. We had in last week's Pasha B'chukosai. So um, the difference is amuna is knowledge that God exists. Bitachon is that God is also involved intimately in my life and that all that happens is for my best. This term bitachon that's used by righteous people to name this character trait. Says the Chazanish. The, there's a, a terrible misconception so many subscribe to and they've been doing it forever that what is bitachon? they think bitachon is that there's, I'm in a situation and there's two options there's two alternatives of what could come out so I have bitachon Hashem is going to make the option come out the way I want right, so my loved one has been diagnosed with a terrible diagnosis and I turn to Hashem and I daven say Hashem I have bitachon that you're going to give them a refreshing. I have bitachon you're going to make them better. Have bitachon you're going to make them better. I'm applying for a job. I have bitachon I'm going to get the job. My child's dating. I have bitachon they're going to marry this one, or they're going to get married this week, or they're going to whatever. I have bitachon. LeBron James has bitachon. His cats are going to come back, but they're not. So what's bitachon? So Chazanish says people think bitachon is, you know what? Don't give up hope. Be the eternal optimist. Believe anything's possible. And trust that Hashem is going to make things come out the way you want. That's bitachon. Says the Chazanish, This is totally the wrong view of bitachon. It's not at all what it is. As long as the future has not been revealed to you through prophecy, it's undecided. We can't know God's ways. We don't know what's just, what's right, what's righteous. We don't know what's best for us.
That's the sentence. Put it on a bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. Put it on your refrigerator. That is the Chazanisha's definition of bitachon. Namely, that everything that happens, ha'emun, like emuna, like amen, ein mikre ba'olam. There is no chance. There is no happenstance. There is no fluke. There's no coincidence in the world. Everything under the sun is behachraza me'ito yizbarach. It all comes through God's announcement, His pronouncement, God's enactment. There's no randomness. Bitachon is not that things will happen the way I want. Bitachon is that whatever happens, it's not separate from Hashem, it all comes from Hashem. I spoke about it this past Shabbos, right? That the Rambam describes, whoever lives keri, harshis bechukosai, the tochacha. If you walk with me bekeri, v'salachtim mechem bekeri, I'll walk with you keri. Keri is lashon mikra. Mikra means chance. Who is guilty of this, by the way? Amalek. Asher karcha baderech. Amalek attacked us from behind. And it says, Asher karcha baderech. And Rashi gives a few explanations. One of them is mikra. The philosophy, the attitude of Amalek is, and this is so pervasive in our world today, the agnostic or atheist world, is that everything's random, everything's chance. Stop telling me you believe or that there's meaning or purpose. It's statistics. It's data. It's a fluke. It's the world. It's nature. Just happened to be. Bnei Yisrael walked away from Harsinai. They were on fire. They were the seminary girl, the yeshiva boy. They are on fire. They were on fire. And what happened? Amalek comes, Asher Karcha The first explanation of Rashi is Karcha's Milashan Kur. They poured cold water. They put out the fire. They put out Klai Yisrael's fire. And how'd they put out the fire? Because they <coughs> penetrated in, and they put that little thought in the back of Bnei Yisrael's head to say, oh, you know, I was on fire. I was buying into all that. Maybe it isn't true. Maybe it is all a bunch of brainwashing. Maybe it is all just a bunch of hogwash, you know? So Amalek came and tried to introduce Mikra. And the Rambam says, if you believe in Mikra, it's achzarius, it's cruelty. And we asked, what's the cruelty? So we two explanations by Rav Pinkus and one from my brother-in-law. Cruelty is that we don't believe that it's chance. We believe whatever's happening in our life is Hashem speaking to us. Is there anything more cruel in the world then you see someone you know, you're calling their name, and they ignore you. They're walking away from you. And you're screaming, Hello, I'm quite, yo, Yochavin, I'm calling you. It's just walking away, just ignore him. It's cruel. It's harsh. It's the ultimate in cruelty. You text someone, you call someone, you email someone, you leave someone a message, they don't get back to you. It's cruel. I quoted the research that it's leading to greater incidents of anxiety and depression. Kosh Barker doesn't get anxious, he doesn't get depressed, but he does withdraw from us. He says, listen, I'm calling your name. How do I call your name? By sending you all these things in your life. And you're saying it's all chance and nature and happenstance. You're ignoring me. I'm out of here. You're ignoring me. So the Chazanish says, what's bitachon is realizing, not that everything will happen the way I want it to. That's not bitachon, that's foolishness. First of all, that's arrogance. To think that everything has to happen the way you want it to is arrogant. Who are you? You have such vision, perspective, that things should happen the way you want. It's also self-destructive. Let me ask you, if things could happen in your life, either the way that the infinite, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe thinks is best for you, or the way you think is best for you, you who's sleep-deprived, you whose uh, nourishment's not good, you who has sometimes makes mistakes with judgment, you, who, who, whose judgment would you prefer in terms of what's best for you? The omnipotent creator of the universe, God, who knows all, controls all, or you? I don't know about you, but I'm deferring to God. I'll go with what God says is best. I'm going to stick with Him. 
So to think that bitachon means, I believe God will make the outcome the one I want. He'll make it work out the way I want. Not only is it arrogant, it's self-destructive. Why would I want things the way I want? I would, I mean, if the way God wants and the way I want, shtim, if, if they work out, that's great. That works out well. But if there's a conflict between the two, I certainly would go with what a Kodesh Baruch wants over me. So he says the following. The decree, the degree of the action of faith on the course of life is one of the character traits of human beings. In other words, we don't think of Amuna as a character trait. It's another, it's the second critical point of the Chazanish. We think of anger, patience, we think of, I don't know, tell me character traits, outgoing versus uh, introvert. We think of, there's a million character traits, humble, arrogant, those are all character traits. Amuna, that's a philosophical class I go to. That's philosophy. That's not a character trait. So the Chazanish says, no. Amuna is midas it's orke achayim bechlam midos b'nei adam. It's one of your character traits. Do you get slow to anger or are you quick to anger? Do you have patience? Do you lose your cool? Are you humble? Are you kind? Are you gracious? Are you selfish? Are you selfless? All those are character traits. We'll throw into the mix. Do you live with bitachon? Do you have emuna? That's a character. It's not ancillary. It's not tangential. It's not external. It's, inter- it's a character trait which is going to have implications for how you live your life for the choices you make during the day, right? Because whether you're slow or quick to get angry or lose your patience has a lot to do with your bitachon and how you integrate what's happening to you. Whether you seek to get revenge and pay back somebody who you think has hurt you, we've talked about from the Sefer HaChinech, has a lot to do with whether you erase God from the equation or you see him as part of it. The traits of humility and mercy are not subject to the rules of the material world, for material forms are connected to the boundaries and measurements. When a material object loses its boundaries, it loses its form. A broken clay pot is not a clay pot at all. It's just a shard. Human traits are not like that. They have different levels on a scale. Every honest person has some humility and some mercy in his personality. But people differ in the levels of these qualities they possess. So too the trait of faith has different levels, from low to high. I'm looking back to the Hebrew. Should we stick with the English? I love his Hebrew. It's so poetic. Even if you have a shallow level of amuna, somewhere buried deep in the back of your head, when you're in that foxhole, you're no longer the eight, somewhere in there is a little amuna, that too is amuna. As long as you're not somebody who is an absolute denial of Hashem's existence, then you are included in the group of amuna. It's weak. And Amuna is not dominating. It's not something they're mindful of. Right? There are other groups who the Amuna is not weak, but it's in everything that's going on in their life. I met recently with somebody not from our community. They came to town and they were related to somebody who asked me to meet with them. And they're going through a particularly hard time. They went through a divorce. They're older, they're single, they want to have children. And, uh, and they were telling me that they have a co-worker who's in the same circumstance also, went through all the same things. They can't relate because this co-worker is just one of those 
Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, it's from Hashem. Look, it's good, it's from Hashem. It's going to be, uh, tomorrow Hashem's going to send you, it's going to be, it's from Hashem, it's from Hashem, it's from Hashem. And she's like, ah, I, I can't. It's not, not, it's not only that I, I can't be like that, it's not helping me, right? So the Chazan says, there's different people. This person I met with also has Amuna, right? They didn't come meet with a rabbi because they don't believe in God or Judaism or Torah. So it's a different level. So there are different levels. There's the Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, everything's Hashem. It's going to be amazing. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me this pain and suffering. There's that person who you're like, are you for real? You know, whatever. And there's different levels. And the different levels exist even within the exceptional group, even within the people with tremendous emunah. There's the people who are just talking that way because they want to be that way, the people who are really that way, people who are really, really, really that way, and so on. But I think it's such a key, it's such a beautiful, it's, it's a brilliant insight. It's so plain but profound that Amuna is a character trait. Stop thinking of Amuna as a philosophy class. Stop thinking of Amuna as a highfalutin philosophical... It's not. Amuna is a character trait. You either have it or you don't. You're working on it or you're letting it go. You're engaging it or it's, it's somewhere dormant. When a person encounters an event... That according to the natural order presents a danger to him. It's natural. What's the natural reaction? It's natural to feel the ways of the world. Your intense feelings weaken the resolve to remember that we don't live by chance. There's nothing stopping the Almighty from saving him and from arranging causes that will change the outcome. Right? So what happens? When you encounter something that's dangerous in the world, it's natural to forget. It's natural to ignore that character trait. And to think, well, you know what, I'm in a dangerous neighborhood, and I'm in traffic, and to start to fill with angst and fear and nervousness. You get a, natu- you get a, 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 a uh, diagnosis, you start Googling on the internet and reading everything, and what are the statistics, and what is the life expectancy, and what are the chances, and what are the side effects, and what's the everything. When a person engages something in the natural world, it's only natural to engage the natural world and to, for a moment, forget or stop being cognizant of Hashem's role. When, one ex- when exercises self-restraint at such a difficult time and internalizes the truth that this is not a chance misfortune, but it's all from Hashem, for better or for worse, when one allows one's faith to alleviate the fear and give one the courage to believe in the possibility of salvation, when one allows oneself to understand that nothing that one is facing necessarily tends more towards a bad outcome than a good one, then one has achieved the trait of trust in Hashem. So bitachon is not that everything is going to come out for the good. Bitachon is that whatever is happening, I remember it's from Hashem. Whatever is going on in life, the Wi-Fi just slowed down or turned off, the thing, uh, my oven uh, overcooked my whatever, you know, I got stuck in traffic. Whatever is going on in life... Bitachon is not that I live life saying, oh, bitachon, everything's going to be good, everything's going to be the way I want. Bitachon is that as I live life and I'm tempted to forget that it's Hashem, to be mindful, to stop, to interrupt, and to do the effort to engage that character trait. Just like patience is a character trait that, you know, you come out, you stepped on three toys, you stubbed your toe, you're about to go crazy at your kids who you told to clean up for the millionth time, and you take that deep breath. You remember you've just been reading the Siyas Sharm or you're listening to some great class online 
or that you read something in a magazine about anger and it's impacting your children who will go to therapy and write a book about you. <laughs> so you decide, I'm going to calm down. And that it, takes, it takes the mindfulness to calm down. Well, the same thing is true with the character trait of emuna. The first instinct is to think it's all natural and to go to those natural reactions. You have to be mindful not to go to the intuition, which is the natural instinct, but to engage the character trait, the midah of bitachon. Part of emuna, part of bitachon, is even when one contemplates the possibility of suffering. You have to be aware, libo er means your heart needs to be awake, that this incident, this circumstance, is not coincidence. In mikra Everything is from Hashem. They say about the Briskorov, he was on the train, Eastern Europe, Nazis taught his children, his family, that every time that you're in a moment of fear, every time you want to go to that natural sense of fear, you have to just keep saying the words, Ein od milvado, Ein od milvado, Ein od milvado. There is nothing and no one but Him. Ein od milvado. All there is is God. That's all there is. He created the world. He runs the world. We are pawns in his world. There's nothing that he can't do. Ain od milvado. I put that story on the uh, WhatsApp group a few days or a few weeks ago about the the painting, the chess painting. Anyone on the WhatsApp group? The chess painting where uh, they're admiring it, a whole tour in the museum, and it's called, the name of the painting is Checkmate. And there's a great Russian uh, chess master, and the whole group moves on, and he's just standing there and standing there and standing there. And finally he screams out, the king has a move. It's not over. It's not checkmate. The king has a move. Right? So that's Ain Od Milvado. The king always has another move. He always has another move. Yes? I'm so happy someone's asking a question because they're wanting to drink my coffee. If someone is a Balamuna, but he achieved it through philosophical ways, I mean, he learned with it's a great question. There's, there's, look, there's definitely philosophical issues to Amuna. To have that Amuna Pshuta without trying to understand is almost to be turning off your, your thoughtfulness switch. I mean, if you're a thinking person, you're going to try to integrate how Amuna works with the things that are going on in your life. So I don't think that the Chazanish means to say that there's no philosophy of Amuna. But I think what he means to say is that if all you do is engage it as a philosophy and it never filters down or trickles down into your character, then you might as well be studying uh, physics, chemistry. You might as well be studying you know, Aristotle or Kant or Hegel or Kierkegaard. You might as well study some other philosophy. There's, I saw an article recently, which I'm saving for a drusha. There's a, Yale, a famous Yale professor of ethics. He's like written countless textbooks and he's supposedly an authority on ethics. It's a Yale professor of ethics who is now being investigated for sexual misconduct with students, right? So there's, there's this... Disconnect. I think they used to say about Aristotle, right, that, that, that he was only Aristotle from the neck up, meaning philosophically in his head. So is it an intellectual gymnastics? Is it an intellectual exercise? Is it a pursuit of philosophy? Or does it become a character trait? I could study all day long about patience. I could be the top researcher in the world, conduct the greatest studies, publish the most sophisticated articles in the greatest journals about patience. But do I come home and yell and scream at my wife and kids? 
Do I lose my cool when I get stuck in traffic or there's a line at the supermarket? So that's the difference between actually Torah and Chachma. And Gemara says, Chachma begoyim tamin, Torah begoyim al tamin. Chachma is a wisdom, which is a body of knowledge, a discipline that is independent from action. To be authentic Torah, it means it's something that's not just wisdom, it's not just knowledge. It has transformed a person's personality. It's become a character trait. So I didn't answer your part about which is greater, Amun Pshuta versus philosophy, because it's a good question. It's a, it's a difficult question. But in terms of the Chazanish is not being negative about the philosophical aspect, he's just emphasizing that if it doesn't ultimately express itself as a character trait, then it wasn't Torah, it's not Amuna, it's academic. It's like yeah, it's, it's just academic. Yeah, it remains there's only there's academic. There's merit to both. Because on one hand, when you research it and you, you know, do um, a whole chajbun of whether or not it makes sense, whatever, when you get to the point where you should have Amuna, that's a great level. That's also a great level to not understand it, but just believe. That's why I'm avoiding the question because it's complicated. On the one hand, when you pursue the depth of it, you may result in a more authentic understanding of it. On the other hand, you can easily get on detours that, that lose you and that bring you back up to the shallow level of Amuna. Right? We all know people that have an Amuna Pshuta. They're just. Last generation. Yeah, there was an Amuna Pshuta. You know, it's like. That's complicated. has hanging on the wall right here her, her Tehillim of her grandmother, of her Babi. I, I hope I won't offend her memory by suggesting that she probably couldn't translate three words in that Tehillim. Mm-hmm. Three words. But the Tehillim is soaked with her tears. You, she probably couldn't understand. My friend Rabbi Berg once wrote an article and he said that today's high school girls know every Ibn Ezra and Rashbam and Rimban and Rashi and every Pasuk of Tehillim, but they can't cry over Tehillim. And our Babis couldn't translate the words, but they absorbed their tears of the dailies sitting zugging Tehillim because they were sitting and they were talking to Kersh Baruchu. They were talking to him over and over again. So sometimes, you know, so who's better off? Who's better off? Our generation? Our daughters? Who can, who can give you a chabura, an advanced chabura in Sefer Tehillim, contrasting Shmuel with Tehillim and the Rashid Radak and the Rashbah? Our, our daughters? Or our grandmothers and great-grandmothers who were illiterate, but they talked to HaKadosh Baruch Hu all day long. Everywhere they were, they were like Fiddler and they were just talking to Hashem all Emuna Pshuta, or which is beside, you know, the jury's out. The jury's out. <laughs> You know, the, the high school girls haven't really gone through anything but too traumatic in their life. Once they do, then they'll have that. Sure right, to tap back into. Tears. Right now, they, they know the words. That's just they know what they're saying. Right. That's good. Right. If they're not going to have tears already, let them already know what they're saying. Yeah. Think about required they should have required Amun as part of the curriculum. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I actually believe, I mean, I believe, Rav Sadan was here last year, who just won the Israel Prize who's amazing, from the Mechina and Eli, he thinks that all Torah curriculum in every school should ultimately be about Emunah. The punchline of every Chumash class should be, how does this make you connect, more connected to Hashem? The punchline of every Halacha class should be, how does this make you more connected to Hashem? The punchline of every Gemara Shir is, how does knowing which ox gored which ox make you more in tune with Hashem's understanding of justice in the world? The punchline of every class, P.E., how does this make you more connected with Hashem? That should be the, the, the curriculum should be geared towards that. Is that every kind, it's not Chumash academically, it's not Navi Ivrit academically, it's 
okay, what we're studying, the different interpretations, what do they mean for how they see B'nai Israel and Hashem, and what does that mean for you, and so on, and I think he's a thousand percent correct. That's what it's fine. How can we bring that to our schools? I mean, we say... That's why we brought Rav Sadan. That's why. We introduced him to our educators. Yeah. To the actual, you know, curriculum. Because I know, you know, being an educator in my past life, that right. it's hard. what happens is that the high school has to change the curriculum, and then once the high school says that's a requirement, then it trickles down to yeah. the school. Because they say, we have to wear our kids for the high school curriculum, and then it trickles down to elementary. Yeah, so it's you hard. You have to have one strong educator in the community to say, we are going to incorporate this into our classroom lessons. Right. You know, we are going to teach teachers, even though we teach And the reason we have to do that is... We have to bring it into curriculum. Because the reason we have to do that is because what we're starting to have now is kids who know every Radak, Rashbam, and even Ezra and Tehillim and then go text on Shabbos. <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, back to our regular scheduled program. So, no, that's my fault. It's my own editorial comment. Let's just make sure we finish. Let's finish this first this section. So the Chazanish's two major points he's made so far. Number one is that Bitachon doesn't mean that you believe God will make things work out the way you want. That's not Bitachon. That's immature. That's childish. Bitachon means that however things work out, I won't see them as chance or happenstance or natural. However they work out, I will see them as having come from Hashem. And I will be confident that whatever Hashem does is for the best. That's all point number one. Point number two is that that Bitachon is a character trait. It's not a philosophy. It's a character trait that has to be worked on. And has to be worked on, this is what we're up to, page 42. It has to be worked on even when you know it might come with suffering. Shialibo air, your heart has to awaken. This wasn't chance. Everything is made Oh, that's how I got derailed. I started talking about the briskaruf. Ain't od milvado. Ain't od milvado. It's great. Ain't od milvado. You're in a tough situation. You're waiting to hear news. You're waiting, whatever. Just repeat that mantra. Ain't od milvado. Ain't od milvado. Ain't od milvado. Just meditate on the fact that ain't It's fine. Stick with Hashem. He's going to take care of you. Stick with him. Just stick with him. He's got a plan. The king still has a move. The king still has a move. They were condemned to death by the evil Roman ruler. He mocked them, calling upon the God of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were saved miraculously to save them too. They said, we are deserving of death because of our personal sins, and if you don't kill us, the Almighty is many killers. All this is part of the trace of Hashem. In addition, Gam ilus shel ha'atzala shetivas bnei ha'adam lehishtadel b'hem mishdanos etzal haboteach kitachas lirdof achar nedivim v'sarim malavakish tachbulo shav yifashvish haboteach b'maasav v'yifana eslibol etshuva tefilot zdakel ha'avir zroh hagzera. The efforts to counter the danger that people by nature make are modified in the case of a person who trusts. Instead of courting wealthy and influential people, searching for useless strategies. Person who trusts in Hashem will examine his deeds and turn his heart to repentance, prayer, and charity in order to remove the evil decree. So, in other words, when one works on this midah of bitachon, when one works on the midah of bitachon, your whole attitude in life will be different. You no longer will feel that you need to be connected to the wealthy, powerful, influential. You realize that the most powerful and influential you have an audience with anytime you want. It's the Ribbon Shalom. You know, there's a Pasuk, I, I have kavanah on every single day. Al tiftechu benedivim. You know, that Pasuk stands out to me. Al tiftechu benedivim. Don't place your bitachon benedivim. Benedivim are princes, elected leaders. Right? Every time I start, every time I start thinking about what's going to be, it's a disaster. I don't want to give a political commentary here, 
But it's a disaster when you start thinking about what's going to be and what the options are. And you st- what's going to be for Israel, what's going to be for here, what's going to be for the world. And you just have to remember, Revach v'atzala yamud li hudim imakom acher. Kadosh Baruch Hu einod melvado. Al tiftechu benedivim. You have no clue what could happen that could turn things overnight. Overnight, you have no idea what could happen. Bush and Gore. Yeah. Say when Bush won Hanging Chads by a few. Right. He was one of the best presidents we ever had. Right. You never, ever, ever know. Yeah. For good, for bad, you never, ever know. So that's what the Chazanish is saying is that if you live with Bitachon, if you have the character trait of Bitachon, you're not going to be impressed by. Now, again, it's important to forge those relationships. Advocacy, lobbying, eight pack, nor pack, this pack, that. It's all critically important. You all know how involved we are in that. We believe in that. But you have to believe in that as our hishtadlis. It's not the ends, it's the hishtadlis you have to do. Just like you have to go to work, Kirsch Baruch is not going to auto deposit in your bank account without going to work. You got to go to work. So the lobbying and advocacy is going to work. But ultimately, just like at work, whether you are successful or not, whether you actually get a paycheck, your income, your profit is up to Hashem, so too, Altev Techub Benedivim. What's going to pass and what's going to happen, it's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Bitochon is a character trait. It requires effort and we have to work on it. And it doesn't mean that we think everything that's going to happen will be the way we want. It is the knowledge that everything that happens is from Hashem. It's from Hashem. You know, it just, it changes. Instead of getting so upset about things that happen, so many people are so upset about what happens to them. They get an injury. Something happened to their car. Something happened to... There's a million things in life. You could get totally bent out of shape by it, or you could exercise your emuna muscle. You could turn to your character trait and say, look, can't control it. It's from Hashem. Whatever is meant to be... Right? It wasn't chance. It wasn't natural. The guy could have dinged the door on the other side. He could have parked at the other aisle in Publix. He parked next to me. He parked next to me because for whatever reason, my car needed a ding in it. That was, that was what was meant. My father sent me that, that ding. That's what was meant. So just working on that midah yields calm, tranquility, simchas l'chaim, menuchas nefesh. It brings the serenity that we all so badly want. And it's in our control. It's in our hands. Whether we get you know, bent out of shape, anxious, nervous, angry, resentful, bitter, or whether we can stay serene and tranquil and calm, it's in our hands. It all depends how much working on this. And he's going to get to, I'll just give you a preview of what we'll get up to next week or in two weeks. On, on the next page, he talks about roofing. Now he talks about, you know, it's easy to have bitachon. It's very easy to have bitachon in theory. It's very easy. Amir Hashem, Hashem, Baruch Hashem. That's all easy. That's all easy. But what about when you're thrown into the... So Ruvain's got, you know, a store on one side of the street. And he's the only store in town. And now somebody's opening the same store on the other side of the street. What attitude does Ruvain have? So the natural thing is to say, I'm going to undercut, I'm going to tell my distributors if they sell to him, I can't sell that. I'm going to, you know, that's when your bitachon is really put to the test. And the Chazanish is going to say, if you really have bitachon, you go across the street and you say, do you need any help setting up? Do you need, yeah. me, to, need me to make some introductions to distributors? Because I know my parnas is coming from Hashem. And you can't touch it. Whatever Hashem wants me to have, you can't touch. There's enough for both of us. So that's when bitachon. So we all have the circumstances in life where bitachon is put to the test, and that's where the, the rubber meets the road. It's easy to say, Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, Baruch Hashem. That's easy. 
But it's much harder when you get put to the test, and hopefully we'll all pass when we do. Have a great week and a good yuntif. Excellent.